It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome to another edition of the Skinny Podcast, the Popri edition, presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports editor and columnist with my main man, Rick Brewering. Rick, take it away. Skinny Bengals receiver Tyler Boyd was injured in the first half of Sunday's win over the Raiders and might miss the rest of the season with a low-grade MCL sprain. However, Boyd was able to catch four passes for 38 yards and a touchdown before he got hurt, which gave him enough to surpass 1,000 yards receiving for the season. He's the first Bengals player not named A.J. Green to hit 1,000 yards since Chad Johnson did it in 2009. Is Boyd the third best receiver of the Barvin Lewis era after A.J. Green and Chad Johnson, in your opinion? I'm going to say no, and he might be fifth. Uh, T.J. Hushmanzada's got to be in there. I mean, he had two great years, uh, you know, 100 catches one year. Um, I think Boyd's trending in that direction, though. I mean, talk about a guy that's taking a huge step. If this was one year ago at this time, he would have had 12 catches on the season in 2017 with two games to go. He had five and five to finish, came up with a great year this year. I think he's trending that way because um, he's done some of this damage. It's one thing to say, okay, you did that damage with A.J. Green on the other side. But he's done some of this without A.J. Green being around whatsoever. So he's the one now drawing the double teams. He's drawing the rotations and coverages. He's the one having to fight through that. He's doing it with um, now a backup quarterback. Um, you know, I, I, I think he's trending that way. I think Marvin Jones at his best might have been a hair better for, for a couple of three years. And I'm not a huge Marvin Jones guy, but i got to give him a little due. Um, I'll, I'll put him fourth. I'll put him behind Hushmanzada. Yeah, you're you're out of your mind on the Marvin Jones take. There okay. is no chance Marvin Jones is better than Tyler uh, Marvin Boyd. Marvin Jones was pretty good though, and I will argue clearly he does not have the better career thus far yeah. than yeah, T.J. Hushmanzada. I think he's trending that way. Hushmanzada was here for a long time, but I think if you look at where they're at in terms of talent, I like Tyler Boyd better than T.J. Hushmanzada. Oh, yeah. oh, I thought yeah. T.J. Hushmanzada was a huge. He was he, he was a beneficiary of Chad Johnson. One hundred percent. But he took advantage of it and had big numbers. He did. I mean, there was also other some other weapons in that yeah. offense too. That was a really good offense yeah. back then, and he took advantage of it to his credit. And he he was a tough guy. You know, he played over the middle and took hits. Right. Tyler Boyd, though, as we saw in that Raiders game, like Raiders aren't very good, but in the first half of that Raiders game, they were keen on him trying to take him away, and he was a superstar I mean, he, for the Bengals. It, it, he looked like the real deal. On fourth and two, they threw to him on the slant for a seven-yard gain. Then he picked up a 21-yarder on a really good catch down the seam. Then on the on the touchdown pass, did a great job to shield his defender out on a slant. No, I mean, uh, that, that one drive alone, he was spectacular. Yeah, I mean, his rookie year was better than any of Hushman Zada's first couple of years. Now, obviously, Hushman Zada got hurt, I think, his second yeah, or third yeah, year in the like league. And, and Boyd, it was his second year that he missed a lot of games. So they're kind of similar in that regard. But right away, his first season was already better than anything Hushman Zada did out of the gate those first couple of years. Out of the gate, years. yes. I mean, 50, what, he had 54 for 600 yards, was a yeah, key third down guy. It took him things. about four years, I think, to finally yeah. catch no, on where he started it, being, it, it being a big-time guy. You're looking at Boyd now in his third year already hitting that 1,000-yard mark. To me, he's, he's the more talented guy. I think he's that next guy right after Green and uh, and Johnson, and I I think we might have underrated how talented this kid might actually be. Yeah, I mean, let's not forget he was a second-round draft pick, right? So you, you have high hopes for a second-round draft pick. T.J. Husmanzada was was a seventh-round draft pick, so there, there are two different, I guess, in theory, skill sets coming out of college. I, I just need to see it more consistently. I need to see not just this year, but it needs to be another year and then another year and pile some of those on. I think he's got a chance to do all those things. Um, I, I did a podcast with Bengals Beat Reporters last week, and we were trying to get our five or six core players. He was one of my six core guys. I mean, he's, he's a guy. In fact, I had him ahead of A.J. Green Yeah, you forward. left A.J. Green off, I interestingly did. enough. Yeah, just because of contract and, and age and injury and all those things. Um, I, 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 I like Tyler Boyd quite a lot. I, I, I'm going to give the nod to T.J. T.J. did it at least 
um, for a little longer period of time than, Ch- than Tyler Boyd has. I think the the thing with Tyler Boyd... And we forget Terrell Owens was on this team too, though. But it was at the come, very tail end of the career Terrell come Owens. On. He, he is a Hall of Famer. Well, yeah, no, but I'm saying... I'm saying as a Bengal, I not, gotcha. I gotcha. not uh, was he the best receiver, period, Correct. That's over fair. the course of his career. Um, but with Tyler Boyd, I think you're right. I mean, he's a second-round pick, so obviously there were expectations at one point. But I think it felt like after a year or two, people put limitations on what he would be and just kind of like, oh, he's, he's a, a slot, secondary he's, third second. Right, he's a, he's a slot, slot guy. guy who's going to be a third-down third down target. And I think he might be a little bit more than that. I think I he might too. be one of the better slot guys in the NFL. Yeah, I, I think he's, he's a guy who can play a little bit of everywhere because now he's playing on the outside, too. He's had to play on the outside and draw some of that outside coverage. So, um, no, I and I, I think that's if you're a, if you're a fan – and they're totally different receivers, and they're totally different skill sets. I think that's your hope for John Ross, right? That, okay, it took it took Tyler Boyd, while well, he hit the ground running more than Ross did, and then he had a setback. It was that third year where he kind of shined at the end of the second year. Now John Ross, guess what? With, with all the injuries at wide receiver, he's going to have a chance over the last two games to get more targets, to show what he can do, and I, I don't know what that is yet. Um, but, you know, again, he was a first-round draft pick for a reason. They thought he had a great skill set. He just has not shown it yet. All right. Skinny, Kentucky's 1993 Final Four team was honored during Saturday's victory against Utah. Members of that team were on hand for the celebration, but Rick Pitino, who coached the team, was not in attendance. After the game, John Calipari went on to say that he thinks Pitino should come back and that the U.K. fan base would welcome him with open arms, also noting that he had reached out to Pitino. Pitino uh, tweeted out, said thank you for for reaching out, but he was busy. Um, Here was Cal's quote from that. He said, he was with family and he had things going on. I just said, look, you need to get up here. This will be respectful here. What the program did... What that program did to change this back, we should recognize it. You may be mad he went to coach at Louisville. So what? When he was here and when he needed this program, when we needed this program on a different track, he put it there. Do you share Cal's sentiment that UK fans would be happy to see Patino back at Rupp and welcome him with open arms? I still think there's a, there's a chunk of the fan base that's bitter. Um, I think there's also a chunk of the fan base that says, thank you for getting Louisville in hot water. Um, but I think time heals everything. I, I, I would say this. Wood's a good, 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 good way to phrase that question. I don't know if they would. I think they should, though. I mean, I, I look. I, I, I covered those that that, that era, and, and I'm telling you, man, um, just that Sports Illustrated cover alone, as a Kentucky alum, um, as somebody who's covering the program, been around the program a long time, you didn't think they were ever going to get out of those dark ages. You never thought. I mean, it looked like they were dead in the water. And and he brought back fun right away. I mean, even that fourteen and fourteen first team, everybody loved them because there, there were no expectations. Number one, but that team was thought of to be a five win team, and just like that, he turned things around. And within a short period of time, he's got him in the final four. Within a short period of time, he wins a national championship and really sets up on that run where they went championship runner up championship with Tubby Smith taking over for him. So I I think they should. I think you should recognize that the guy did a lot for the program. He's the one that got it right back on track, turned it around quickly. Um, I think there would be. I, I think most fans would would welcome him back in a setting like this. But there's always the faction that thinks he's a traitor who went to Louisville, and even though he had to stop somewhere in between. Well, I mean, sure. If you're Rick Pitino taking over for Eddie Sutton, I mean, you only. It's a lot easier to do the Rick Pitino thing at, at, when you take over for Eddie Sutton. You just don't have to be as bad as Eddie Sutton. Well, that's right? a good point. So, I mean, that system probably worked out really well. Yes. No, I, I think you're fine if you're a UK fan and you don't want to ever see Rick Pitino near this program again. Not because he went to Louisville, but because look at what he turned out to be. Right. Everything he preached and all that turned out to be totally inauthentic. And Correct. the guy's a total slime ball. And I don't think there's any denying that at this point. Is he an excellent head coach still? Yes. But was he probably cheating that entire time to get these players? And do you probably think he may have done that same thing when he's at UK and he had to turn the program around so quickly? 
Yeah, I think it's fair to start wondering that. So you can totally call into question how he was actually achieving these things. Now, granted, I think every program is doing that, so I wouldn't worry too much about cheating in general. But if fans are bothered by it and don't want to see Rick Pitino around their program, period, I don't blame them just on the basis of, of he doesn't seem like a very good guy. No, he's but very I, unlikable. I, I, but I think a lot of the basis is him going to Louisville. Although that seemed to but wane a little fine. bit, too. I thought that... that Look, when he brought his Louisville teams in there, he still got razzed and all those things. But that's part of a rivalry too, is what I, I always thought. I I didn't think UK fans were uncivil towards Rick Pitino. I think they I think they harbored some ill feelings because he went to U of L and turned U of L into to a good program for whatever period of time that was. But yeah, and I think that's a reasonable thing. One of the few things we have that's still great in sports is genuine hatred and big rivalries. That's one of them. Sure, Kentucky Louisville. I think it's totally understandable to say you were our coach, you were our guy. We we loved you, we accepted you. Then you went there. You went to the people that we hate, and you were one of them and acted like one of them and brought them back to prominence. I think it's totally fair to be like, he's not our guy anymore. And especially when you add on top but of... He was, but the, hang on, though. He was your guy for that team that they were honoring that day, though. That's fine, but he didn't show up. I mean, Cal no, right. no, I know that. Him. I know that. But like this whole idea of, oh, UK fans will be respectful and welcome you back with I think open they arms. Would've. I really think they would have. I think, I think a, time heals everything, especially because you're, you're honoring that team. I, if it was just him coming back by himself, maybe not. But if you're coming with that team, I think you would have. I, I do. I think they might have. I think Rupp Arena would have done it in a classy manner, but I don't have any... I think it's fine if UK fans do not want him back around their program at all and do not ever want to honor him again. That That's fine to me, and it seems totally reasonable. What about the 25th anniversary, because it's not too far off, obviously, of the 96 National Championship team? I mean, you can bring him back. I'm not saying he shouldn't be allowed back or anything, but I also agree with UK fans who want to say, no, I don't like the guy. All right, so he's, so answer, he's answer the way this question's phrased. Um, do you share Cal's sentiment that UK fans would be happy? And we're talking about, in general here, the majority would be happy to see Patino back at Rupp. I don't. I think most of them would be indifferent. So I do okay. think I think they'd be classy about it because I don't think many of them would care that Polite much at this clap. point. Now that he's gone and he screwed Louisville on the way out, I think they're kind of think it's funny now and are kind of right. like okay. And so they'd give him a clap. They wouldn't boo him too much. Well, he's already got the clap, but they'd also give, they also they clap for him. Well said. Right. Yes. Very well done there. Uh, yes. Um, but I, I think you'd get a couple boos coming down from the rafters, but most people would be polite about it. But I think there's still a good portion of the fan base that be at home not liking that UK was doing it. Guy in the upper deck, Karen Cypher loves you, man. 15 seconds. <laughs> yep. You know there'd be that guy, right? No Dur- doubt. Dur- during, during the quiet times. Reds, Ricks, the Reds made a move last week before leaving the winter meetings. They traded right-hander Tanner Rainey straight up for veteran righty Tanner Roark. Roark, who's 32, is going to be eligible for free agency after the 2019 season. projected to make around $10 million this year in this final year of arbitration. Pitched at least 180 innings in each of the last three seasons with a 4.34 ERA and 30 starts per year with the with the or 30 starts last year with the Nationals, while piling up the most losses in the NL, going nine and 15. Does Tanner Roark move the needle at all for you? I wouldn't say he moves the needle, but I'm not against this move either. I think it's solid, the type of move that makes sense because it's you're you're not locked in long term. Correct. You're paying a little bit of money. He's a guy that can give you a little something. Maybe he, gives you a chip at the deadline. May, exactly. And that's what I think you're hoping for here because he's probably not a part of your long Kind of like Matt Harvey gave you a chip at the deadline, right? Yeah. That, how'd that work out? Uh, it didn't work out so good. Mm, okay. Yeah. And you're probably in the same situation here. Is he really going to be a big bargaining piece? No. But is he a guy that, hey, maybe he comes back, pitches really well to start this year, and you can throw him in on a deal to help you get another piece? Maybe we'll see. Like I'm, I'm not sold on it. But again, you're not locked in long term, and he is a guy that can eat at least eat up a ton of innings at the top of your rotation on a 
pitching staff that's not going to be very good. And uh, At his best, he's a pretty good pitcher. At his best. Like a good fourth guy in the rotation, yeah. which is what he was for the Nationals. Yeah. And he still led the National League in losses, which I don't get too caught up in wins and losses because if you look at like his overall numbers, they weren't bad. No, right. And right. he's been very durable. And I think that's something this staff needed is just a guy that you know can take the ball every fifth day and go pitch six or seven innings. I, I get that. The only thing I, I guess for me is if, if I'm starting to make some moves, aren't I looking down the road a little bit with some guys? I would I would think so, but I but again I don't think they're doing this with the idea that oh we're trying to find a piece for our long term plans. I think they're saying here's a guy that's going to be a good good locker room guy. Right, but but here's my question: Do you trust them to flip him at the deadline? No, but then maybe you just don't get anything out of him. You had him for a year. Okay, I mean, in I, a year I, where I don't think it mattered that much because you weren't going to be using that money anyway. But see, I, I thought th- I thought that this year you were at least trying to take some steps forward. Is this a step forward? Or is this just running in place? Is this Matt Harvey's off the roster and now Tanner Roark's on the roster? Somewhat, yeah. I think I think that's. I mean, I think right. Tanner Roark's better than Matt Harvey. I do, think and I that. think that's what they're looking at. I, I think they're like, look, we still if we're not going to take Matt Harvey back, we need someone who's won a little bit yeah, of but, a veteran presence. Okay, but but, but you're back. At, but you're, but you're kind of back at square one, though, right? I mean, it's not like you've added to your staff. You lost one, gained one, and that's why it doesn't move the needle for me. Like right. I don't think that's he makes yeah. them a better team, but at the same time, I don't have a big issue with this signing either. Or I mean, this this trade and, and adding. Yeah, I don't think it's a negative. I'm not trying to tell you it's a negative. It just yeah, I think yeah, right. It doesn't move. I the think needle. it's a net positive slightly. Slightly, because I think yeah, he's, he's slightly better, better than Matt Harvey. But he also is going to cost you a little more than Matt Harvey, right? For one year, though, one you're year, not you're not true. locking yourself in, and that's my I, big concern. I, I'm there. with that. I, I get I, because I he's I'm, 32 years old. He's correct. clearly not a part of your long term no. plans. I'm just at the stage of of when do you start having some guys that you can go? Okay, that guy's a three year guy. Or that guy's a four year guy. I mean, when, when do you, when do you get to that? Uh, hopefully, hopefully you start finding some of those guys real soon. I mean, some of the names out there that are still out there: Wade Miley and Marcus Stroman, and guy they don't move the needle for me much either. Uh, that, that, I guess that's the part. If you're looking to move the the, the, the fan needle, you better do something. And they I mean, and they keep something. they keep saying that after each move, they're like, "Well, this is just a, a, a small, one small oh, piece very, for a bunch of other moves to come." Yeah, it's funny; they're very quick to say that. Yeah, and I'll believe it when I see it. Right, that's the right thing to be saying. But the problem is, you keep promising on it, and I don't know that when you're going to deliver. And if you don't, that's not going to be good. I am looking forward to the and not to jump too far. I am looking forward to this offense though with with, with Winker back. And with Nick Senzel in the lineup, I mean, they got a chance to score a bunch of runs. Now, I don't know if fans care about that portion of the program. I think they care about the wins more. And maybe that's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to win game 7-5 to every night. Well, maybe Tanner Roark will actually get some run support this year. And he'll flip, right. that, uh, <laughs> flip that win-loss record go to, around. Go to 15-9. Go to, go to yeah, there you go. All right. Skinny Adrian Broner and Manny Pacquiao are now a month away from their boxing match in Vegas on January 19th. Broner is coming off a draw against Jesse Vargas in April at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn and a loss before that to Mikey Garcia in July of 2017. Pacquiao, who just turned 40, knocked out Lucas Matisse in the seventh round in July. This this is a big-named fight, obviously, right. especially for people around Cincinnati. Broner's kind of the only relevant Cincinnati fighter we have right when now. He's not in jail. When he's not in jail, I mean he's he's relevant partially because he's frequently in our court system here. Point. But is this a relevant fight in 2019 that you actually care about, or do you feel like this is a total money grab by they're two? All, they're all money. Fighters? They're all money grabs anymore. The only thing I would tell you is it is two names, and that's that. That's the part that I think would make you go, oh, you know, for some of it you go, ah, oh, man, Manny Pacquiao, 40 years old, still fight, but 
look, he's still a name, man. Adrian Broner, especially around here, is still a name. I think that's the only part to me. I, I look, they're all money grabs. Anything that, that that's done in the in the boxing MMA uh, UFC world is a money grab. It's, well, it's, of it's what it's all about, of course. But I think there's a difference between things that are actually good for the sport and well, promoting it and going to uh, captivate fans and make them want to continue watching, and something that is just. We are stealing money from a bunch of people between two over-the-hill fighters that don't have it anymore because we know they have names. I think there's a difference there, and I'm curious, like, is this a fight you actually want to watch, or is this a fight that they're just suckering you in with two names that they've they've teased this fight for years? The problem is, three years ago, right. four years ago, this was an interesting better, fight. Sure. Right. I, I get what you're saying, but I, I still think that, that any time you, you have names involved, it's it's going to make you watch. That's, that's the part. And... and Look, if this was Adrian Bronner against Joe Tomato Can because of money, because he needed a fight, because he needed money, then yeah, that's a money grab. That's setting something up for a money grab. You could probably hype Joe Tomato Can and go, Joe Tomato Can did this, this, and this, and and you got to watch because of this, and uh, you know, or maybe it's forty year old Manny Pacquiao. Does he still have it fighting Joe Tomato Can? No, you got two two dudes that people at least know um, going against each other. I don't mind that. I I, I really don't. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm going to be watching this fight. Um, it's There's not too many that are, like you said, have interesting names right. at this point. I think boxing has had a, an issue in developing the next group of superstars. I, I couldn't name you the heavyweight champion right now. Could you? Well, see, that's that. now that's the interesting part of this. That's where I think boxing is on the rise again because you just had that unbelievable fight between uh, Fury and Wilder, oh, that's true. which yeah, okay. was really, yeah. really, really good. And I think you've got the heavyweight class coming back a little bit. When you take those two, you add in Anthony Joshua, who's probably the best of those three right now. You've got three, maybe maybe even a fourth or fifth heavyweight fighter right now that are big time names that are legit that like I think people want to watch. And boxing is at its best when you have heavyweights, no question, that, that are big no names question. because they knock each other out. The, for years, we've kind of, it's kind of been dominated by these smaller, faster technique guys like Floyd Mayweather, right. like Manny Pacquiao. They, they, they're they're going to last the whole they fight. They win on technique, right. right? And so it's just not quite as fun with that. So I do think boxing coming back a little bit with the heavyweights. This fight, though, like while I, I'm always interested to see, will Broner just put all the, the immaturity stuff aside at some point and like figure himself out? Because I, st- no. because I no. do still think he's a talented fighter. Oh, he's very talented. But he never, never figured it out, never reached his potential as a young guy. And now he's starting to slide past his prime, right, I think. Right. But uh, I don't know that him beating up on a Manny Pacquiao who's clearly over the hill at this point and just trying to pay off the IRS is, is good. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, he's on a payment plan with the IRS, and that's the that's only reason he takes these fights. And he's only doing this because he wants another shot at Floyd Mayweather right. for a big payday because that was such a ridiculous payday the first time and supposedly promoters and Floyd don't want to do it unless he fights someone like Broner again first in yeah, the US. Yeah, but, but if he gets his ass kicked then what do you do? Exactly. But but that, but he's willing to take that chance Correct. I think because he wants the big payday again and the IRS is demanding it of him. So, uh, I'll be watching but unfortunately I don't think this fight is going to be worth the uh, money spent. But you're still going to be watching. But I'm still going to be exactly. watching. All right, Skinny, it's time to take a look at some of our betting lines this week. College basketball, Kentucky versus North Carolina. They're playing in Chicago. Kentucky is the underdogs. North Carolina favored by four in that game. Total is 166. And these are Ken Palm lines. These are Ken Palm lines, of course, because the lines don't come out until the night before games. What do you got on Cats and Carolina? I, I definitely would like to go over just because I don't think – I mean, Kentucky can't stop a soul, and this might be the best offensive team they've played. And I, I say that even knowing how good Duke was offensively. This may be a better offensive team. Well, more importantly, they play at the third fastest pace yeah, in the country, right, I think. So, right. like, And Kentucky is clearly a team 
that lets you dictate the pace. Correct. So this game is going to be played fast. I think it definitely goes over. Yeah, I, I, I'll go with that. I'm going to go Carolina. I, you know, and the points. Yeah, I'm going to lay the points. Me too. Yeah. I think easily. I, I honestly think they win ne- by ne- neutral floor. I think it's eight to twelve. Exactly right. I, I think they win by at least eight or more. Kentucky's just. I, I just don't know if they have it. Whatever, they looked whatever. better against Utah. They did. They looked better. But, but but I want you to go go look at what Utah had done up there. That's that not North Carolina. Correct. And Utah's not very good. And it was in Rupp and, and all those things. Yes, they did look better. Maybe Quade Green is, is is the the absence of that is the best thing for everybody. Do you think that helps? Forward. I do, and I don't say that in a bad way because of him. I just think you never could you never could settle on what you were doing at that position. You had guys with it. Now you have to move on from him, and you go, okay, now I'll devote the minutes to these guys. I think that's the best thing for everybody. He's the best thing for Quade Green, too. He obviously wasn't very comfortable with what he was doing. Yeah, the other guy's looking over their shoulders a little bit less because yep. he's not coming back in. And I think for Cal's sake, you just know you don't have an option anymore. It has to be the guys yeah. that are in place. So now. I think that way, you know, you let guys play through whatever whatever weaknesses they have as opposed to going, well, I need this guy in the game, so I got to put Quade in because I need somebody to make a shot or what, whatever. Now that, that's gone. You, you've, you've kind of moved on past that. And and who knows? Maybe it was maybe it was an issue in games. Maybe it was an issue in the locker room. Maybe it was an issue on plane flights. I, I don't know that. He doesn't seem like a, a bad kid. It sounded like he handled it pretty maturely. It sounded like it was a fairly mutual admiration society as they parted. But I think it was the best thing for them and for him, too. I, I couldn't agree more with you. All right. Also on Saturday, Detroit will be at Xavier. The Musketeers are favored by 16, despite Ooh. how they've played, uh, coming off a, a brutal loss Tuesday oh, night. That was ugly. I mean that, that really was ugly. I I, I expected, I honestly expected them to go toe to toe with Missouri because Missouri's not very good. Either. No, I mean they're really not. That 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 may have, I thought the the UC loss was disappointing, but then you look at it's a rivalry game. They punched you in your mouth. You really didn't respond down the stretch. First true road game. First true road game. All of those things. Um, that one was really disappointing to me because it just it almost looked like once Missouri got a little bit of a roll, it kind of was like. Okay, we're done. Some we're, of the same stuff done. you saw at yeah. the end of the UC game, which yeah. was disheartening. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's the biggest problem fans have right now. It's not that they're not shooting well because they knew that was a right. problem. It's not that they're even losing games, which they'd be mad about that. But I think they're really mad that in addition to the flaws that they knew the team had and the team not playing up to standards, there's also just that whole kind of quitting factor yes. going on in the second yeah. half of games when they get down and the lazy turnover, some lazy defensive things. That's not going to fly with the fan base at all, no matter where you are. No, I, I think you'd like to see a team dig in defensively and then go get a good possession and see if you can work your way back in as opposed to, yeah, what was us? We're down 12. Let me take the first first quick catch three I can take just so we can see if we can get back in this in one shot. Oh, we missed. Eh, I'm not going to get back on defense. And you look up and it's 19, 20, 20. What was it? At one point, 49 yeah, I mean, they got down by almost 30, I yeah. think. It was ridiculous. It was absurd. Uh, but that said, back home. Total uh, 148, by the way. I'm going to go I'm gonna go over because I think they get I think they get close to 90 on Detroit. I'm, I'll, I'll go Xavier 90 to 66. Yeah, I think they win this game by 20 or more. And, Last non-conference game, right? And they hit the yeah. over. Yeah, and I mean, that's the thing. They are fine when they're one at home and two playing against inferior talent because they do have talented, athletic, long I mean, guys. Dude, they turned it over how many times against Eastern Kentucky and still won by 18? 24, I think. 20, 20, I 20, 28? 20, yeah. yeah, something like that. I mean, it was, it was an, an absurd, absurd number. Yeah, yeah, absurd number. But yeah, I think they, they win for fun in this game. I think being back at home um, and, and 
you know, may, maybe you've hit the bottom point, right? And when you hit bottom, sometimes you ricochet back quickly, and maybe that's that's what they're going to do here. And they do have this thing of sort of like last year's team, which when things are going well for them, they do all of a sudden have more right. energy and more toughness, and right. they're more locked in. Yep. So uh, I think they'll be fine with playing with the lead. The problem is they have to figure out how to compete with teams that are as talented or more talented than them, especially when they go on the road and they don't hit shots. And guess what happens over the last 18 games of the season? That's what you're going to face, Non-stop. man. Non-stop. There's not an easy win no. in the conference this year. Now, I had a buddy who's a big fan. He said he goes, he said my dad's convinced they're going three and fifteen in the league. I said they're not going to go three and fifteen. I said but, I can fairly tell you seven and eleven is probably fair. Nine and nine would be great. Ten and eight would be absurdly good. He said, "Yeah." He said, "I'm kind of leaning more towards seven and eleven too." And I hate to do that. I mean, no, I think I, that's I think that's honestly getting to the point where fans would take that now. If you if you offered that to most Xavier fans right now, I think they'd take seven and eleven in conference. Yeah, because that would be you know you six and three at home and and you win a game on the road, maybe maybe Sounds a couple right. three, maybe. Um, and, yeah, and, and, and I don't know that that's going to happen. I don't but either. I do think fans would take it. All right. Uh, well, we, we both had Xavier yeah, and the over. Yeah, right. Cincinnati is hosting South Carolina State. They are favored by twenty six points. The over is one thirty two for that game. You're definitely taking the over here. When they play bad teams like they're this, scoring they'll, eighty, they'll yeah. score eighty. Yeah, in they'll this score game. eighty. Yeah. and give up what is it? What is it? Wait, what was the total? One thirty two. Man, eighty two. Why does eighty two to forty eight sound like the score to me? It's one because it's what it sounds like to Vegas. I'm taking the under because I'm going to go eighty two to forty eight. UC. I think it hits the over uh, because UC does score score a bunch I, in this game. A letdown either way after the UCLA game. Or, or I don't enough, think so. Yeah, I don't either. I don't think so. I think these are the games that they dominate under Mick Cronin. They always do well. They don't have the letdown games against bad competition. Right. They struggle to go on the road against those good teams. Right. So, um, yeah, I think they handled this game fine. I'm. I think they even w- the 26 is a big number. I don't know that I'm going to go. I, I don't I think, think I'm I'd, going that one for sure. The over is the one that's iffy for me. I think I'd just stay away from it altogether. If you put a gun to my head, though, I'm going to take South Carolina State in the points, and I'm going to take the over. All right. Finally, Sunday skinny at 1 p.m. Bengals are at Cleveland. Bengals are getting seven and a half points. 44 is the total for that one. And I'll just start here with this. While I think the Browns are clearly the better team and should absolutely win this game, I've got an awful, awful feeling that the Bengals are winning out these last three games and Marvin Lewis is coming back as coach next year. I think your feeling is is well-founded. Um, I don't even know if they need to win all three. If they were to win this one and play well against Pittsburgh and feel like, hey, you did that without these guys, and boy, look at how this team responded yet again, and the band's coming back, and you got another offseason and another draft, and this roster isn't too far away. I, I, th- I don't think your feeling's unfounded, man. I don't. I really don't. And I think that the most Cleveland thing to do would be to play so well up to, you know, they've played very well since, since Hugh Jackson got fired. And everything seems positive. I mean, to go on the road, Denver's not very good, and Denver was missing Emmanuel Sanders and, and Chris Harris, the cornerback, and they were, they were a little nicked up. But still, Cleveland found a way to win on the road, and, and that's just the second time they've won in the last 27 road games, right. the Bengals being the other. Right. Um, I, I, I'm with you. I, 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 the Bengals have done a better job defensively. Back-to-back games holding teams to less than 300 yards. And yeah, one of them's the Raiders are not very good, but the other one's the Chargers, who are pretty good, right? Right. Um, so that's back-to-back games. They've kind of found something. They're they're you know they're banged up on offense obviously with Tyler Boyd and, and AJ Green and Andy Dalton and all that stuff, but they've they've been running the ball pretty effectively. They've decided, hey, Joe Mixon is a pretty good weapon. Let's get him as many touches as possible. That's pretty smart. Defense is doing the job. Weather's not supposed to be great. I'll go. The Bengals is actually outright in, in a slugfest. I'll go. I'll go nineteen sixteen Bengals. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I do. I think I think they definitely cover the seven and a half. Yeah. I think even if Cleveland win, it's it's a close game. But I do. I've got this weird feeling that they are going I, to win a, out, and I Marvin's know. coming back. I know, and I th- I think I don't think your feelings like unfounded. And the, the, the the fan base is not going to be happy about it at all. But the franchise is going to be acting like they have momentum heading into yes, next year with their yes. players coming back and they finished the season and strong. They don't, they don't realize how much this fan base has checked out. They don't. They're not even mad anymore. They've checked out, man. One hundred percent. And, it's it's obvious. It's become obvious. And that's where if you bring this, Doug Pelfer and I had a debate on on the Sports Authority Sunday night. Doug thinks he still should come back because he thinks he's a good coach. He had he had some he had some points. I didn't agree with any of the points. And I made the <laughs> point of, look, man, you've got to throw your fan base a bone at some point. At some point, you have to take a nod and, and go, hey, I got you. You're right. You know what? It, it, no matter how this thing slices out, you, you deserve something different—a new voice, a new leadership, a new direction. But my fear is that if something good happens at the end of the year and step one has already taken place with the win over the Raiders, that it, it, it'll be, hey, look, you, you can see we're, we're this close. I mean, we, we finished eight and eight despite all these injuries. I mean, look at all the guys. And, and it's legit. I mean, there's some legitimacy to all the injuries. But, boy, your fan base isn't going to buy it. They're just not going to buy it, sir. They're or, not. Or maybe the spin on that will be, look what happened after we got Hugh Jackson. How we finished the season strong, turned the defense around. Don't, don't forget, Hugh, was, Hugh will be head coach. Hugh, Hugh actually has taken two teams to last place in this division this People year. People forget that. Just don't 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 forget that portion of it. Um, I think your fear is 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 well is well founded, bro. I All really right. Do. Any time to take a trip around the country, look at a few national stories of interest. Starting with the New England Patriots and quarterback Tom Brady. He was twenty five for thirty six for two hundred seventy nine yards with a touchdown and an interception. As the Patriots only mustered ten points. I like mustard. That's it's, a good word. That's a great word. And it's spelled differently than what the, the the yellow stuff is too. Yeah. Sunday's loss at Pittsburgh. There were two plays by Brady in particular that had fans talking about the end of days drawing near for him. One was the interception that he threw up for grabs in front of the end zone. Yeah, he was right trying to throw it away. And he couldn't get it quite get it there, but yeah, right. And then the the other one was an incompletion on his last pass of the game where it just. Looked, the guy in the second row almost made a play on that ball. <laughs> looked like the type of the type of situation where we always expect Brady to come out on Absolutely. top and make a big play, obviously. Absolutely. Let me just ask you this. With all the talk about Tom Brady and it, you know him coming to an end, him not playing as well, do you think we'll see Tom Brady playing another Super Bowl? I don't. I mean, eventually things catch up with you. And I don't think the one thing I know people are starting to point to is oh, he's you know, he's forty years old and forty one years old, whatever that I, I don't see that poor. I don't see I don't see the arm strength lacking. I don't see, you know, I, I still see a very competent NFL quarterback, for goodness sakes. But I just think eventually the parts around him aren't very good, and he's always been able to make up for that, and he he hasn't quite done that. I did hear an interview on Dan Patrick on Wednesday morning uh, with a Boston writer who made the point that in the offseason, Tom usually would go out to, what was it, Wyoming or Montana, and he'd work with the receivers for a period of time. Well, he didn't get a chance to do that this year because of various different things, and, and so um, little things like that. You know, Gronk's been a security blanket, and I, I, I'm not even sure he plays after this year. I think he's probably close to being done. I mean, you talk about a fall-off. Yeah, correct. Um, there might not be another player that's been more drastic in the league for. Yeah, I, I'm going to say no to that. And that said, the Tom Brady, Bill Belichick thing to do here would be go to the playoffs and prove us completely wrong, even though they're going to probably have to play two road games to get to the Super Bowl this year. I, I just, I, I don't see them. They, I think they've lost, they've lost five games. I think all five losses have been on the road. That was just to me when you're playing two playoff caliber teams on the road, back to back weeks, you might get one. I don't know if you're getting two. Yeah. I don't think this Patriots team is very good I don't at either. all, but 
I think Tom Brady goes to the Super Bowl this year or next. I don't know that he wins. You them, might be right, but I think he goes either this year or next. I mean, the, the funny part, part is, of that is I don't think the AFC is very good no, this that, year. There's that, not a clear team that, that's good. That part's legit. It's up and down every and, week. And the funny part is, you know, we're looking at this in the vacuum of back-to-back losses. Well, one of those losses came on the craziest, wackiest play that you may ever see in NFL history: the lateral play with Miami. That wasn't Brady's fault, although Brady did cost some points at the end of the first half of that game when he inexplicably took a sack with no timeouts left when he could have thrown the ball away. They could have kicked a field goal, and that came back to bite him in the ass. And then really, I mean, he's driving them with no timeouts. He drove them in position to maybe get that win on Sunday. A holding penalty actually kind of put him behind the eight ball a little bit. That's not his fault. He didn't hold on the play. Um, so, you know, he's the, you, you turn that around. Suddenly they're 11-3, and three and we are talking, oh, see, here's the Patriots again. Look where they're at. But, man, they'd have to go on the road to win back. That's the, I just I don't see it. I, I'm, I, I agree with you on the AFC. Um, you know, would it be scary for them to go back to Pittsburgh or to go to Kansas City? Eh, Kansas City may be tough. To go to the Chargers in front of 25,000 people? I Probably not, but not in back-to-back weeks. I'm saying no. I'm saying he never plays in another Super Bowl. Yeah, the, it's a good, the, that's a great question, though. I like that question. I think people sometimes don't don't remember, though, that like the last few years, and granted, this is late in the year now, and usually this has been earlier in the year, right. but the Patriots have kind of had this thing where they Dude, had the slow start. Remember we, had, we were, was it last year or the year before, that, that Monday night game against Kansas City, I think it was, or whoever it was, got blown out 41-10, to 10, they're done. One, two, he's three, done. he's done, they're done. I was guilty, I'll raise my, I was guilty of it. I was completely guilty of and it. And the weird thing is, for him, and I think it's because he's not like a great athlete, when he he doesn't play well, it does kind of look like, oh, time has caught up to him. The age is catching up to him. He's not moving well. Well, he's never moved all that well. Yeah. He doesn't have a great arm. Well, he's never had a cannon. Well, he has a good arm, they, they, not a great they, they, arm. This year, the play in Tennessee, I think it was, where he caught the pass and there's nobody around him and he goes stumbling to the turf like an old man does when you're like, man, my wheels don't move the way they used to move. But but his wheels never moved all that well to begin with. And I think that's the, that's the thing about him is like, it would not surprise me at all to see him revert back to prime Tom Brady I mean what we saw at the end of year last year in the playoffs him revert back to that again this season it wouldn't surprise me and it wouldn't surprise me if look this team isn't very good and I don't think he has the weapons so this year's a down year they come back right back next year and in the NFL be. for one more year but I do think he's on obviously the downside now that he's into his 40s but I don't think he's done yet I think he plays in one more all right good question though. I like it Rick a man was arrested for indecent exposure after he proceeded to go number two at the FedEx forum which is not Unusual. I mean, sometimes you go to a game, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta take one, right? Um, and that's when uh, Tennessee was taking on Memphis over the weekend. A security guard though was making her way from a stairwell and saw forty-six-year-old Royce Lot Holes squatting behind a concession stand to take that dump. Oh, that's old man Lot Holes' boy. Isn't <laughs> he it? went over to Lot Holes. No, that's that's uh, the younger. He's he's actually somebody else's old. He's young young Lot Holes' old man. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. He's, a, he's, he's somebody's old man. She went over, found that he had his pants off his body, exposing himself to several people walking nearby, and was defecating on the floor. The security guard called for her partner, who saw the same thing. Lot Holes told police officers that people in the restrooms were taking too long to clear out, so he quote. Had to do what he had to do, according to a police affidavit. Nature called, brother. What's the most ridiculous fan behavior you've ever witnessed at a sporting event, Rick? Rick Boring. I wanted to slide this one in there because I really wanted to hear yours because you've been to so many of them. Like he's got to have a great answer for this. The only thing I think that's like really too crazy—that's not just fans being belligerent, drunk, fighting, or yelling at their team—was I did see someone get. I don't know how you say it on a family podcast, but oral sex at the Bengals stadium nice uh, during the game, which I think that like NFL games have kind of just become a cesspool for our culture. The like, funny part is I'm insulated by a press box anymore. Um, 
and and so I I I, I can't hear some, but I, I hear some just absolute horror. It's stories. really where you go to find the worst of the worst of. And it's our funny. People. My dad my dad had season tickets growing up. We actually sat in the blue seats of 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 it was it was what we did. Me and my dad my dad and I would go to Bengals games every Sunday. We'd we'd go do the tail we'd go do the tailgate thing actually at a restaurant. Believe it or not, because that's what we old people did back then. And then we would go to the game, and the people around us we knew for years, and it was kind of a community and kind of a family. Believe it or not, and kind of you know I grew up in that section. I went from what probably age 11 up into my mid to late 20s and uh you know some people got married and had grandkids and they came around i don't know if you could do that anymore well i'm not ruling out that these people were family well who knows wow i mean wow and you know a lot of those how, dr- how, a lot of those okay, drunk how, fights that get filmed how, and put on world star are probably family members too when you how think high up in the section it was it was the top top level you know where they have like the part where you can kind of stand and watch like you probably shouldn't, but it's like that area with the the railings and people kind of will congregate there towards the end of games and stand there. Well, he was just standing at the railing. She was just sitting down in front of him. Like I was, I don't know what else you could be doing in that that, that position. position but yeah, I don't know who they thought they were fooling, but yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, I, mine mine was along those lines, and it wasn't actually at the game. It was at a tailgate uh, two years ago. I, I dropped my buddy off uh, where he was tailgating with some friends. He went up to the game in Buffalo and. Um, where I dropped off, he said, hey, why don't you hang around for a quick beer? So I said, yeah, you know what, it's 10 o'clock in the morning, why not? I'll have a quick pop before I go in and get my work done. We're standing there talking, all of a sudden you look over, there they are, Susie and Jimmy going right at it in the parking lot. Nothing better than that. <laughs> Susie bent over, and there's Jimmy. He's just, he's decided, in front of God and everybody, just going to get down with it. Nobody batted an eye, nobody like, pictures were being taken, of course, and I'm sure somebody had some cell phone video, but there they were, just going to town. Well, that's that's the thing about it. I mean, when when you're doing this in a public place like that, and, and I mean, this was two or three years ago now, but even at that time, smartphones were everywhere. Yes. Everyone in our section is like putting them on Snapchat. Put it like, so you know that's going to happen. You have to be at a level of drunkenness that you just don't care. Well, I, 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 this was in a sporting event, but uh, my daughter worked at Coney Island this summer uh, doing live shows. And... Um, I'm going to say this is a weird conversation to bring your daughter up. Well, in, but. it is, but but so I was picking her up one night, and she hopped in the car, and she goes, "The most gross thing happened today." I said, "Well, what was that?" <laughs> well, there was a concert at Riverbend next door. It was the Warp Vans tour concert, so you can imagine Warp Vans tour concert and the Coney Island crew really don't mix, but people can go through there. She said, "Well, when I came out of the dressing room, right on the floor in front of the dressing room, some woman was there and had just had just crapped the floor and was just standing there looking at it." I said, what in the world? She goes, yeah, grossest thing I've ever seen. So apparently, what is his name again? Lot Holes? Old man Lot Holes. Old man Royce. Royce. Apparently Royce isn't alone. Apparently that's a thing that people do. Yeah, I, I, think, I think he, you know, he told him that there was too long of a line, so he just had to do what he had to do. I think he missed a good opportunity there. Tennessee was ranked number three at the time. He should have said he was making a statement saying they should be number two. There you go. Boom, boom, boom. I like it. Well said. All right, Skinny, it's time to go off the beaten path because we obviously aren't already. No, we're not already there. (laughs) A uh, middle-aged Brooklyn man told cops he had a painful price for pledging a fraternity at the ripe old age of 45. This sounds like a movie. I mean, it is. It's called Old Old School. school, Yeah, Yeah, I mean, which this guy clearly didn't see the movie. Um, He he paid the price by getting whacked on the backside hundreds of times with a wooden paddle. Thank you, sir. May I have another? Tory Gates, who's 45, said he was drinking heavily inside a Bedford Stuyvesant. By the way, there's no way this is a real fraternity if they were just having their frat meetings in the basement of a Bedford Stuyvesant. Bedford Stuyvesant. Home. Yeah. Yeah. There's just no way. Omega Psi Phi. 
He said his brothers blindfolded him, whipped out a wooden paddle, told him to bend over, according to police sources. That's when they went more medieval and Greek on his hiney, whacking it up to 200 times with the paddle and their open hands. My goodness, he was so bruised up by the agonizing bashing that he checked himself into a hospital and called the cops on the would-be frat bros. Look, I never joined a fraternity, and I had a, a roommate in college who did, and he told me the hazing that he went through, and I said... Ain't nobody doing that crap to me. I ain't going through that none of that nonsensical nonsense to be a brother. Seriously, I mean that, and that was when you were an idiot at eighteen to twenty. Correct. Imagine doing that at forty five. No, I absolutely would not do that at forty five. This guy is a is a loser. I mean, if you're going, if you're pledging a frat at forty five, you're a loser, man. Come no, on. Let me be very clear. If you ever pledged for a frat, if you were ever in a frat, in fact, if you were in Greek life, if you were in a sorority and you're a female, you're a loser. You at least you were a loser for that period of your life. I'm telling you, man, the, the, the sorority stuff, it's real. That, sh- that, stuff's, that stuff's real. Oh, trust me. Wife was in one. Daughter's in one. Both daughters were in one. They're, they're, they're into it, man. It's the absolute worst. I literally broke up with my girlfriend that I was dating in, in college my freshman year because she joined a sorority, and it was just that awful to be around those people that much. It's, it's pain for friends. I'm sorry. It just is. And don't try to tell me, like, I know you, you help some blind people by getting drunk at a pool event or something, and you act like you're, do, you're doing it for a good cause. No, you're doing it to go get drunk at parties and uh, yell with people. And if you do it at a campus like NKU, which is where I went, you don't even get a frat house or anything. No, they don't have. They have no. You're, they have no frat or sorority houses, correct? Yes, and you're allowed to go to all the parties, even if you're not in the frat or sorority. So you're literally just paying to go to meetings. Every what about week. sisterhood? <laughs> what about it? Sisterhood's big. Come on, skinny. I think the real question here is: there is no way this guy saw the movie. Old school, right? If he was going to be crying and calling the cops on getting paddled. Or he never saw uh, Animal House either. Or ever any TV show ever? I mean, Or any movie? Dude, 200 times. Holy cow. After maybe five. Well, of course, once, no- once he started crying in front of a bunch of drunken college dudes, of course they thought it was funny to well, keep whacking. Then you know, then you know what you do at some point? You go, I'm out. Have a good day. See ya. Yeah, you start fighting people. I think I would be kicking some ass. Yeah. I would say, you hit me one more time with that paddle, I'm going to take that paddle, I'm going to beat your ass with it. You got me? <laughs> first of all, <laughs> I feel like that's not the first time you said that. The way your face just looked right now looked like you had PTSD flashbacks well, I, to a time where you've been paddled. I, I, well, I, I almost got paddled, and it was the scariest moment of my life. In study hall, and Mr. Hoff, Mr. Hoffman was a wrestling coach at Ackerman. Ackerman Junior High School. Yeah, I think they arrest teachers for doing that now. Well, back then they didn't. Well, back then he had a big old wooden paddle with holes in it. You know what the holes are for? Creates a little bit more speed for that paddle to get through the get through the more aerodynamic. Get through the hitting zone. Correct. Well, every day in study hall, our study hall basically consisted of him turning on the prices right and us not being allowed to talk while the prices right was on. Okay, come on down. Come on down. Yep. So we would all sit there. Well, somehow I get. I mean, literally, you could not speak. To anybody you had to just sit there and shut your mouth and either do your work or watch the prices right with mr hoffman well i got cut caught in the back in a little, little conversation with a couple buddies so mr hoffman took us outside and he liked us but i thought man this is not going to be good so he said skinner you're first bend over i'm like okay i mean i'm stealing myself for it all of a sudden i hear thwack and i look he hit the bottom of his shoe brought the other two because he said it real loud mr what i think it was mr wilson i think you're next mark wilson whack on the bottom of the shoe did the next guy whack he looked at the three of us he goes i like you boys he said here's all i'm gonna tell you you best go in rubbing them asses and not saying a word about what i just did 
That was pretty good. That's but actually a pretty cool it teacher. It was a pretty right cool there. teacher, but boy, oh boy, was it scary for the few moments we were outside looking at him in that big old paddle with his big old wrestling arms. Would you beat his ass if he? I don't think I have a chance. Times? I don't think I'd have a chance to beat his ass. No, <laughs> I think Mr. Hoffman had the upper hand in that regard. I was just thankful Mr. Hoffman did not hit me with the paddle. But I'm telling you, if one of these little Greek geeks hit me with a paddle, I'd kick their ass. There's not an ounce of doubt in my mind. I I have to agree with like here's the here's the thing. I never understood being hazed in the first place i don't either what's the I, you're you're an adult male at that point correct. you're 18 years old at least assuming some guy is going to tell you to get on all fours and push some a penny with your nose across a yeah. floor or tell you to drink until you throw up or, or until you die tie something around your tallywhacker and throw it off a building like i the things that these kids will do i don't get it when they're 18 years old why don't, don't you just say no correct no, Correct. I'm not going to do that. I'll still probably join your frat anyway because you're not going to do anything about it. And I had a pretty enjoyable college life without being in a frat. And Well, that's a crazy concept. In fact, it's probably more enjoyable. It, it, I, had, you, I have no qualms about not being in one. You didn't have to act like a douche your entire college career, so that helps. <laughs> well, I kind of did was anyway, but no, I didn't you, have to you act did, like you weren't, re- you weren't required to. Correct. You did it on your I own just, terms. I just, I just was. Huge difference. Yeah, that's a, good, that's, a very, that's a very good point. No ghost sex today? Well, Skinny... I felt like we needed to take a break because let me tell you, I think we've got some big ghost shows coming up in the future. There are people we, we, calling in. I've got, a, I've got a special guest who swears he is a legit dude. You know him. He's he's a funny guy. He's a fun guy, but he's a serious guy, and he is so serious about seeing ghosts that he wants to come on the podcast. There, He's not the only one. We've had multiple people hit us up through text message, through DMs, through emails that we, we talked about it on last week's show that, you know, the ratings were in the fastest growing ghost sex podcast no in the question. tri-state area. I thought, I thought maybe even in the seven state area, from what I understand, every state that touches Kentucky. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. You know what? I didn't look into the yeah, analytics think, enough, but I you did, might be I, right. Yeah, I went down to the de- demographics. Well, you're very granular. I did, with I did your, a deep dive yeah. into it. Mm-hmm. So, no, I, I, I think it's exciting what's to come, but I was a little worried about a monopoly being claimed so you know we're kind of cornering that market i said give it one week to yeah. breathe we're going to come back with guests ne- next week we'll have a big show there we go that'll be that'll be awesome there we go all right for rick brory i'm richard skinner thanks for being with us we'll be back another week from now have a merry christmas everybody and we'll talk some college football some Bengals, and some ghosts on next week's podcast this is the skinny podcast presented by joseph infinity of cincinnati